I want to talk to you this morning about the door standing open. This is the chapter 4 is the beginning of the third major section in the book of Revelation. Jesus told John in chapter 1, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. Chapter 1 is about what John has seen. Chapter 2 and 3 are about, is about what is happening now, the churches. And chapter 4 is now heading into the future. Chapter 4 and 5 are really an introduction to the background of the prophetic events that are going to happen in the rest of the book. And then in this section, this is a very hard stumbling block for people because a lot of people have different interpretations of Revelation. And people come at it from different angles and different viewpoints. And I just, I want to take it very simple. I believe that God through Jesus Christ, gave this revelation to John for the church, and he gave it for the church, the audience that was there, and us as well. That truth is truth. No matter where you go, no matter, no matter where you live, truth is truth. That if you jump up, you're going to come down. That happens here or in Australia. And if you have heavy enough boots, it happens on the moon, right? I mean, it just truth is truth that you always are going to experience. And Jesus said that I want you to send this to the church. And he's telling them the truth of the condition of the church, chapter 2 and 3. And then in chapter 4, we take a different shift here from this book. And this book, just remind you, is a book of prophecy. Blessed is the one, chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. This is Jesus who is giving a prophecy to John. And in, as we move into chapter 4, I believe that we have been raptured by Jesus Christ. I believe that the rapture takes place before the tribulation, before the time where the Antichrist and the, the Satan are going to come and set up their kingdom, that we are raptured. And the reason why I believe this, I spoke about it a few weeks ago, the reason why we are withdrawn is because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world that the church will, will throw all of its forces against us but Jesus says that hell will not overcome the church. We, are, we, we will be caught up with Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 4 it says this, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that you who are still alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and will be left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in quick trip. Because on Mondays they have a special 99 cent coffee. No, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. Man, I'm telling you, I can't wait for that day. Because God is going to have to define or have to uh, change some physics in order for me to fly. But man, I'm going. <laughs> he might have to send a couple angels on my side, but we're getting them. We're going to get you there. 
And the thing is, is that we're going to meet him in the air. And listen to this. So, so it will be with the Lord forever. And we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul is saying, listen, Jesus is coming back for us. And we are going to hear the trumpet. We're going to see the, hear the angel. And we're going to see Jesus come in the clouds. And we're going to meet him in the air. And make sure you encourage people with this message. Now, wait a minute. People, people preach that the church is going to go through the tribulation. How is that encouraging? How is the, the suffering under God's wrath encouraging? Now you say, well, wait a minute, pastor. You know, we're not exempt from suffering. Of course we're not. We're not exempt from suffering. We're not exempt from hardships and trials and tribulations. But the Bible says count it all joy when you go through those things. Why? Because those things are just suffering. Those things are just temporary. The moments that we spend here on earth are not going to compare to eternity when we are with him. So yes, we will go through hardships and persecution and suffering. But we are not subject to the wrath of God. We are not subject to the wrath of God. We've been saved from the wrath of God. And so that's why we are going to be raptured. And Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Since now we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Jesus? Romans 5 tells us. So in Revelation chapter 4, the church plays, after chapter 4, the church plays no role in the book of Revelation. In chapter 2 and 3, it was very clear. In chapter 1, Jesus says, send this to the churches. In chapter 2 and 3, the Spirit of the Lord says to the church, to the church, to the church, to the church. And then after chapter 4, the church is gone. And it makes, under, it makes sense because we are with him celebrating at the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are there having a great feast. It's going to be awesome calorie-free buffalo wings. I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, it's going to be great. I don't know what you're having, but I know, you know, and I'll probably, my rice, I'll probably, or my luck, I'll probably get rice and beans. I said, Lord, I had this for 80 years. Can I have some wings, please? But the thing is, is that, that we are going to be with him. And then in chapter 19, we're going to come back with Jesus. So we're already in heaven and we're going to come back with Jesus. I say this because I want us to understand that Jesus promises that the church will never be defeated or overcome by the powers of darkness. He's telling Peter this in Matthew 16. I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus said that the gates of hell will not overcome what? The church. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whenever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whenever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It is so important to understand that we have been given keys, authority, power right here, right now on earth. And that we can use these things in order to live the life that God wants us to live. Keys are so important. In just a few weeks, we're going to go visit my folks. Um, we're not going to miss a Sunday. We're going to do a quick trip in there uh, because um, you know my other son has to get back for church as they're working up in Eden Prairie so we're going to go just through the week and we're going to go to Michigan but there's a problem they moved my parents moved I have no idea where to find them I will be trusting in in GPS but when we get there we usually arrive between 1 and 2 a.m. and it's never really been a problem because we've had keys we don't have keys anymore we don't have the ability to walk in. And so I will use my cell phone and call them, say, please let us in. 
Uh, one time I was working up in the cities and, and you know, and, and sometimes you think you know where you're going. And I went to go stay at my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law's house. And they lived in these, these complexes and, and uh, condominiums and it's a nice neighborhood. Well, how many know condominiums all look the same? And so uh, they told me, hey, we're going to leave the front door open for you. No problem. So I get there and they locked it on me. I knew they didn't like me. I knew that Char and Tom did not like me. And they locked. So I started banging that door. And it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. And then all of a sudden, you know, the lights go down. It's like almost like I showed up, tried to sell them a vacuum. And they're hiding from the salesman. And nothing. Then I found out I was at the wrong address. Keys are important. Keys are important. They're important. And Jesus is saying, hey, I give you authority and power over victory over the gates of hell. And this brings us to Revelation chapter 4. And it says, after this, I looked up, and John is saying this. After this, after what? After what he has seen, and after what is now, this is what's coming. After this, I looked up, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So the story is being pushed forward. Jesus is going to show him what is going to happen after the time of the church, after the moment of the church, after this. And John is letting us know that this is going to take place in the future. Now, we've, we've talked many times about different views of Revelation. Some people like to mix history and future. Some people just like to think it's all uh, uh, present. It's all the, the current events are happening now in Revelation. Some people believe that everything happened except the second coming of Christ, you know, happened when Rome destroyed the temple in 70 AD. Listen, I just take God's word literal. I just take it literally what it says. After this, after this, and there is a time period of moving forward. And here's the, the, the phrase that I want to concentrate on this morning. That there was a door standing open in heaven. There's a door. And I want you just to just help me paint a picture this morning. Because a lot of times when we, we read things like heaven and we, we see things in the Bible, we, we don't really take in, in, in the moment just to think about what is actually happening here. And, and, you know, a lot of times when we read about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, we just kind of bypass that without thinking about the miracle that God did, that God would send his son who was fully God and be conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in a girl that did not have a relationship with a man and that Jesus was born fully God, fully man inside of this girl named Mary. And it was all done by God. And that's that's a miracle. You, there's no male doctor that can explain how that can happen. It's a miracle. We think about Moses walking through the Red Sea and the waters parting. And not only did God separate this sea, but he also allowed the, the ground to be dry. So let's not just pass over these things so quickly without saying, whoa, this is crazy. This is God. This is big. This is huge. And I want you to understand this. Jesus is talking to John. He says, after this, I want to show you what's going to happen. So come up here and I will show you these things. And when he was saying this, he, before him was a door standing open in heaven. So just get this idea that there's John is seeing this with his eyes, a door standing open in heaven what what heaven are we talking about 
The heaven that they are talking about is not speaking about the atmosphere in which we live in. You know, because in Genesis 1, he talked about the heaven and the birds fly in the, the heavens, right? The atmosphere, what we understand is as our sky is the place where birds and, and drones can fly. You know, this, this, this is the, the heaven that they would refer to, the first heaven. Then there's the second heaven, this idea that there's this space. And then the third heaven is where God lives, where we would understand heaven. And this is what John is talking about. Because John didn't say, hey, I saw God in the second heaven along with all the stars and all that stuff. No, he said, I saw God in heaven. It's referring to the third heaven, the presence where the Father lives and Jesus lived. Paul tells us this experience in 2 Corinthians 12 that he was caught up to the third heaven, the place where God dwells. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. So, it is what we think of when we hear the word heaven. You know, when we hear heaven, we think of where God lives, but heaven was described in three different layers in the Bible. So why is, so, why is heaven so important for us to think about? And this is really, you got to ask yourself when you read the book of Revelation. This is important that John saw a door standing open in heaven we have much to think about already. We have enough problems of our own. We have enough situations that we go through. We have so many things that are occupying our, our time and our energy and our thoughts. But I believe that thinking about heaven is important and it is also a great benefit for you and I. It truly helps us to think about heaven. So I just want to give you a few reasons why I think it's important to think about heaven, to understand that God is there. First, I believe that's important to think about heaven because it reminds us to keep moving forward. It reminds us to keep moving forward. Romans 8 tells us this, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Listen to what Paul is saying. Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that has been revealed in us. The hope that we have in eternity is what eases the comforts or the sufferings of our current situation. The hope that we have of the future with God eases the problems and the, the sufferings and the tribulations that we face. It makes it okay. It makes it worthwhile so that we can get to where we're going. Just this last week, I performed a funeral for a friend. And when I got there, people were saddened, people were hurt, but I was actually in a pretty good mood because I knew where my friend was. She was in heaven. She was with Jesus. She was there with him in heaven. And one day we will be in a better place. One day we will be in a place where we know that this is heaven. This is where God dwells. This is where we are allowed to be. I believe that it helps us to move forward. Knowing about our future brings us happiness in this moment. Knowing about our future brings us hope in this moment. It keeps us moving forward in our lives. Gives us a reason to live and to take on whatever life has to offer. The Lord spoke to me back in 2015. He says, Pete, I am going to send burdens your way. 
And I, I, I just think, why would God ever say to me, I'm going to send you burdens? I mean, God, why don't you say something nice like, hey, I'm going to send blessings. That starts with B. Why does burdens have to be the word that you use? But he says, I'm going to send you burdens your way, and I will provide the strength for you to get through it. Just stay close to me. And you know what God was doing? Was he was preparing me for the moments of suffering. He was preparing me for the moments when things were going to go really south really quick. And, and when, when they started to fall apart, I kept on holding on to that promise that God gave me. That he would give me the strength to get it. And you know what I kept thinking? I thought of the little kid on the roller coaster. You know what I'm talking about. You go to the amusement park and you see this roller coaster that has warning signs all over that if you are afraid of heights or you have a heart problem, you're probably going to die. Those type of warnings. And your heart just starts pumping and you're so afraid. And, and, and you know, there are times when I'm just, I took my wife to Cedar Point, great roller coaster, you know, amusement park. And there's times, you know, I got to be man in front of her. So, so I'm not trying to be afraid, but my heart's pumping. And, and this thing is huge. And the only way I can call myself is after people get off the exit I look for the littlest kid who's laughing saying mommy mommy let's do it again right because I'm thinking if that kid can do it I can do it and God wants us to know that if you just hold on that at the end of the journey you're going to be smiling saying God that was an awesome ride that was so cool and I can't tell you how many times in my life personally that we've gone through trials and tribulations and needless suffering in our family. And at the end of the day, we step back and say, whoa, this was awesome. Wouldn't trade it for the world. That's because there's something better. And our life is not about what we do here. It's not just about the things that we are occupied with here. It is about eternity and being with him. It is about going and staying focused in the, in the future that we have. Philippians 3 says this, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on, take hold of what um, that which was for Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet taking hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward for what is ahead, and I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly in Christ Jesus, I'm going to press on. And I believe that thinking about heaven, focusing about heaven, helps us see the big picture. When I was at the funeral this week, I was talking to the daughter, and I said, you know, we struggle so much trying to, we struggle so much and we worry so much for the 80 or 90 years that we spend on this earth. But now, in comparison to eternity, it is nothing. And that's what keeps me going forward, that I'm going to be with Jesus one day. Heaven helps us, keeps us moving forward. Another benefit that we have when we think about heaven is it reminds us of our rights. It reminds us of our rights. Philippians 3 says this, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus. Our citizenship. Think about this. When you consider your citizenship, it's not about being a citizen of the United States. It is about being a citizen of the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 2 says this. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. 
The idea that this is not our home has to sink in because when we realize that something bigger, something better, something greater is beyond us, we start to understand that we have certain rights that are available to us today. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Right now, at this moment, you are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We have authority to declare our heavenly rights here in the world today. We have authority. What did Jesus tell Peter again? I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Our citizenship is about practicing the very things, the very authority that Jesus has given us. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Peter must have understood this because later he writes in 2 Peter that his divine power, in this chapter 1, His divine power has given us authority we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You may participate in the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. We live by a divine nature. We live by God's rules. We live by God's rules. Don't ever forget your rights. Don't ever forget your rights to participate and to walk with the authority that Jesus has given you. What did he say? Listen to this. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is in the context, this word is dealing with a legal, uh, a legal sense that whatever you capture, whatever you hold on to, whatever you say you have no right, it will be bound. And whatever you allow that is permitted, whatever you give authority to, it will happen. Maybe... Maybe this is why Jesus told us in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks receives and whoever finds or seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open. Maybe Jesus is trying to help us understand that we live in a divine nature that has more authority and power and rights than we know because the devil is always trying to convince you that you are not a child of God. You are not a child of God. That God doesn't listen to you. God doesn't care about you. God hasn't forgiven you. God will not make you pure so that you can see his face. The devil is always trying to convince us of what God did not say. But we must be people who understand and believe what God did say. And God told us that we have the right to participate in the divine nature. Why? Because Jesus has given us authority. He has given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you say can't happen, won't happen. And whatever you say can happen, will happen. That's why it's so powerful to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't pray by your authority. You don't pray by your power. You pray by the one who said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So pray in my name. Ask anything and it will be done. I asked the Lord for a new roof for our building. I asked the Lord for finances to take care of the things that we need to. I asked the Lord, it's not my job to worry. It's not my job to sweat it out. Yes, we can plan and we can prepare. But when it comes down to it, it is the Lord who will move on behalf of people who understand you're a part of the kingdom of heaven. 
That child that you've been praying for is not lost. Just keep praying. That miracle that you need, just keep praying. That desire that you have in your heart to serve him, just keep praying. Keep believing because if you are praying for permission, it will happen. If you're praying for things to stop, it will happen. Why? Because we have authority and that's why it's so important to remember that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. The devil will always try to make you forget your rights. But don't forget what Jesus has given you. He's given you the ability to participate now in the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to go to heaven in order to understand who we are. We know it right now. That's why he's put his spirit inside of us as a a seal, a deposit of knowing what is to come. And if you think this is good, just wait until we see him in the air. If you think this is good, just wait until we meet him face to face. It's going to be great. I believe that thinking about heaven keeps us moving forward. I believe thinking about heaven reminds us of the rights that we have. I also believe that thinking about heaven reminds us who's in control. Revelation 4.2 says this at once. When John sees this door in heaven standing open, the next verse says this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. There before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Last year, we had the best anniversary day we ever had. It was an okay meal because my kids cooked it. It was okay. It was good. It was, it, was, it was the best day that we ever had as our anniversary. And, and that day, we were still having church online. And so, you know, I'm downstairs working on the video to publish. And, and, um, and Cheryl's there with me because her job is to make sure that she sounds good. She always tells me, every, make sure I sound good. Do what you got to do, but make sure. So she's down there helping me. And the kids are preparing everything upstairs, and we really didn't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, the girls came down, and man, these girls, our girls were looking sharp, all dressed up, looking good. My boys were the cooks. They were just in jeans and shorts, you know. But, but the girls came down just, 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 just beautifully dressed and makeup and all dolled up. I mean, it was cool. And they come down, and they said, Mom, we need you to come upstairs and get ready. And so I'm like, oh, this is great, you know. So I'm there and I'm waiting and and they told me, we'll call you when we need you. And I said, okay. So I'm just working on the video. Well, then all of a sudden they said, okay, Pete, you're ready to come join your wife today and, and your date. And so I come walking upstairs. And as I'm walking upstairs at this time, Cynthia's engaged to Pete. They're not married yet, but she's there. And, and uh, I walk upstairs and Cynthia looks at me. She looks at me and looks at my outfit and she said, not even close. Go change. At that moment, I realized something. I wasn't in control. <laughs> I mean, I got up, I dressed myself, I brushed my teeth, but I wasn't in control. When we think about heaven, it reminds us who is in control. John says, I saw a throne and someone was on it. I saw a throne. Psalm 47, 8 says this, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. God reigns over the nation and God is seated on his holy throne. Our comfort comes from the fact that God is still on the throne. God is running the show. He always has and always will. Psalm 11 tells us the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes us. His eyes examine us. 
God is on the throne. He is in complete control. No matter how crazy life seems, no matter how, how much you think he's disappointed in you, it's not the case. He's in control. And he will take those moments of embarrassment, those moments of failure, and turn them into something good because he loves you. He's in control. He is in complete control. And you just cannot forget that because I know sometimes life seems like it's out of control. And we, we seem like we're, stri- we're failing and, and struggling. But the plan that he has for you, every detail he's already marked out. And all you have to do is trust the one who is on the throne. The one who reigns over everything. He's in control. Thinking about heaven keeps us moving forward. Thinking about heaven reminds us of our rights. Thinking about heaven reminds us of who's in control. But finally... Thinking about heaven reminds us that he's closer than we think. He's closer than we think. I want you to listen to this as I share this this morning. Revelation 4 says this, After I looked, there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. We'll show you what must take place after this. You notice what John said. There before me was a door. There before me. Where was John? John was still on the island of Patmos. And he looks up and he sees a door. We're not talking about the atmosphere or the stars, but we're talking about the place where God dwells because he says, I see the throne. John sees a door and he looks up and he sees this door and it's open in heaven and on the other side of that door is the throne of God my point is this heaven is not as far as you think I want you to get this in your spirit this morning heaven is not as far as you think yes I know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he's with us right now I know that but where God dwells is not as far as you think He's close. He's watching. He doesn't need a wormhole to travel through space to get here. He doesn't need Scotty to beam him up. He doesn't need any of the abilities that we think of when it comes to time and travel. The Bible says that John was standing there and he looks up and he sees this door with his eyes. Our eyes that are limited, our eyes that cannot see forever. But he sees a door in heaven. And on the other side of that door, he sees the throne of God with his eyes. In the book of Acts, we read the story of Stephen. The Bible says that he was a man uh, full of grace and power. performed many great wonders and signs and miracles. And the Bible says that he was full of the spirit. And people who were in power were jealous of him. And so they they begin to question him and Stephen just begins to just lay into them, telling them how wrong they are, telling them how they missed it, that Jesus was the Messiah. And finally, after he speaks to them and he condemns them for resisting the Holy Spirit, they became outraged. And and this is what the Bible records. Now we know that all scripture is God breathed, that this is God's word. And these words are in here for a reason. So listen to what it says. Acts 7, 54 says, When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven 
and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is there and he's testifying about Jesus and the Bible says that he saw Jesus standing next to the Father and he looked up and he saw the heavens open. God opened another door so that Stephen could see and then they end up stoning him. But Stephen saw with his eyes. John saw with his eyes. I see heaven open. John says, I see a door standing open. And later on in 19, John will testify again. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. We are not able to see great distances. I can't see New York from here. I can't see Minneapolis from here. I can't see a salad bar at a buffet. I just can't see that well. <laughs> I just can't. We have limited vision. And yet the people in Scripture said they saw Jesus. They saw the throne of God through a window through a door because God opened up heavens. I believe what the Bible says. I believe that they saw heaven open. I believe they saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I believe they saw John saw Jesus coming on a horse and I believe they saw it with their eyes. And I want you to get this in your spirit that heaven is closer than you think. Heaven is closer than you think. When I think of heaven, and I'm going to be honest with you. When I think of heaven, I don't think of the vast space that's out there. I don't think of all the universes and the galaxies because, you know, those things don't matter. What I think about is that my Father who sees me can open a window and see me. That he's not far. He's not foreign. He's not distant. He's there. And just like Stephen who saw with his eyes and just like John who saw with his, with his eyes, I believe that if God wanted to, he could open that door again and we could see him because he is closer than we think. He is closer than we think. Isn't that just like our enemy? To make us feel that God is so distant and God is so far that he really doesn't care about us. That God is, is just in this vast emptiness we call the universe. And when we pray, we're just hoping that our prayers will reach God who is so far. But the Bible paints a different picture. That right on the other side of this door and this window, God is right there. I, as I was preparing this scripture and preparing this message and preparing my research every time I started to pray I would look out to the sky and for the first time I wasn't praying to someone who was trillions and trillions miles away I was praying to someone who was right there in my heart and it just it made my prayers come alive even more I don't have to wonder if God sees me he's right there I don't have to wonder if he hears me. He's right there. I don't have to wonder if he really cares because he's right there and he sees because he's right there. 
And when I think of heaven, I don't think of something that is so far. I think of it close. And if God would allow, and that door would open, that window would open, we would see the throne. And that's why when even when I was reading in my Bible this morning, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see the face of God. Even this morning I prayed, God, open up heaven's door. I want to see you. I just, I just love knowing that you're close. I love knowing that you're near. That when I go through my struggles and my pains and my, my moments of difficulty, I don't have to guess, I don't have to wonder, I know that you are right there every step of the way. 2019, I began to doubt. I began to question. I began to wonder, God, are you really, really there? Do you really see? Do you really care? And like I said, I wouldn't trade this for the world. It was a very difficult moment to the point where my wife, she was such a, such a rock. She would encourage me, say, Pete, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But I was starting to fall, and I was starting to wonder and question. And now I realize something. that He was always there. And when I got to the point where I thought I was done, God stepped in and said, son, we got this. Trust me. You see, he's closer than you think. This morning, don't forget about who you are in Jesus, that you are a child of God. You are someone that God has given the right to be a part of the kingdom of heaven now, that you have authority, that you have the ability to pray, to loose, to bind, that you have rights given to you, that you also have a better future, a better tomorrow, and that God is still in control. And most importantly, that he's closer than you think. That's the God that we pray to, the God that we hope in, the God that we love. And I pray that you would be inspired to think about heaven a little differently. Look, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look.